Hi everybody, this is Dr. Adam Rindy and welcome to the next episode of One Thing. This episode we speak with Dr. Sunita Iyer, a licensed naturopathic physician and licensed midwife in the Kenmore, Washington area with Eastside Natural Medicine. She also is a faculty member of the University of Washington School of Nursing. Having a newborn baby is one of the most joyous experiences for most people. However, in a significant part of our population, this may also come with a condition called postpartum depression. This is different than the baby blues. The baby blues affects 80% of women and usually will only last for up to two weeks after um, giving birth. However, postnatal depression is, is much different. This can affect up to 11% of women and actually the prevalence in men is 2%. This is a significant subset of mental health symptoms that follows the perinatal period or the postpartum period of childbirth. In this episode, we'll dive deeply into this topic and discuss why it is so important for us to understand postpartum depression and how to recognize it since it is a very unique form of depression and will often present very different than your typical depression. A little bit more about our guest before we start the episode. Dr. Iyer, as was mentioned, runs a clinic called Eastside Natural Medicine where she has a team of healthcare providers and she is a specialist in the perinatal period. She deals with helping with fertility, helping with transitioning after uh, onto breastfeeding, helping with um, childbirth process. She has delivered many babies um, as a midwife. She knows this topic very well. One of the things I've really appreciated about Dr. Iyer since knowing her throughout my training and also as classmates together is that she is extremely authentic and she's consistent with her personality and her process and she's very relatable um she comes across as non-judgmental and you feel when you're speaking with her that you can open up to her and and speak to your your concerns or your vulnerabilities this it's no surprise to me that she has really become an expert in grief and helping people through grief and she understands this topic very deeply in this episode she speaks to the fact that she considers postpartum depression or the postpartum uh, segment of life as potentially a grief process i have never heard this before um, but it makes a lot of sense when you hear her describe why and we will um, conclude the episode with some thoughts um, on postpartum depression with a little bit more background on some of the underlying pathophysiology and the, the the hormonal changes that happen in the postpartum period. So please tune into the episode. It really picks up midway through with some very deep discussion. And uh, remember to subscribe to our episodes in your iTunes player or Stitcher or Spotify so that you get the updates uh, when new episodes come up. We have a lot of new episodes in in development right now, and I hope you're enjoying one thing. It's been a great pleasure to share these episodes with you. Thank you. Dr. Sunita, welcome to One Thing. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to get a chance to connect. I've admired your work and your your approach to 
practice and I've, I guess I've known, known you for a while now. So it's great to sit down in this, this format um, where today, as the listeners know, we're going to be talking about postpartum depression and different aspects of that. And just wanted to get started just to hear a little bit more about your current professional approach and what you're up to these days and then how you got interested in what, how you became interested in postpartum depression. Yeah. Um, Well, as a a naturopathic doc and a midwife, um, I have spent a lot of time working with perinatal people. So I do a lot of preconception Um, over the years. I've done a lot of prenatal care, attended over 500 births, taking care of a lot of people postpartum and also engaged in primary pediatric care, which partly has fueled my investigation into more postpartum topics because in participating in pediatric care, I started to realize how many parents were still struggling with postpartum depression for months, years, sometimes decades, Mm -hmm. well after when we think the postpartum period is. And one of the things that also tied into me getting into this work at all was work I used to do in Boston, working with pregnant and parenting teens and who had all experienced poverty, homelessness. Um, You know, 100% of them had experienced a lot of trauma and abuse and just seeing how all of that ties together as well, how it tied together for them then. And then even though the, say, socioeconomic status or, you know, services might be different here and now seeing how a lot, there was a lot of overlap um, in the experience of both groups of people. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I've just been, I've been working with perinatal people for a long time. That's mostly where it's come from. Okay. Yeah. yeah so with, you mentioned something interesting. So uh, it seems like postpartum depression is not really specific to any socioeconomic group. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we, so when we look at population health, so I'll preface what I'm about to say. I'm a, I'm a bit of a policy nerd um, and I teach and speak a lot about policy and public health stuff. But when we look at population health, you know, people will see risk factors for um, postpartum depression as being of low socioeconomic status, certain racial groups, um, certainly younger parents. So when they look at adolescent parents, there's definitely a higher level of correlation. But what I started to realize in doing the work that I am now with people who are chronologically a little older, maybe financially slightly better situated, uh, not experiencing homelessness, is that the rates of postpartum depression didn't really seem that different. Mm -hmm. Um, It was more how it showed up and the level of reporting. And I think, honestly, the level um, to which it was being witnessed. By providers. I think most people are familiar with depression as a kind of definition. How is postpartum depression different than sort of a kind of textbook unipolar depression um, that we see, you know, sort of in non-postpartum people? Well, I mean, it's a great question. You know, what? It, how does it look differently? Um, I think that that to your question, what has made it really difficult for people to be witnessed and seen and maybe appropriately assessed has been that um, it does look a little bit different. It doesn't look like the classic 
depressive symptoms if someone were to Google those and say, all right, you know, what does depression look like? And honestly, because to some extent it can't, you can't not get out of bed, you know, because mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're taking care of another human. Certainly right. there are forms of postpartum depression where that is true. And then it seems much more obvious, but a lot of postpartum depression doesn't look like that. Um, if anything, it looks much more like hypervigilance um, mm. because you're always on. And so it actually looks much more like what a lot of people would describe as anxiety, or if they were mm-hmm. to Google symptoms of anxiety, that's much more what it would look like in a non-postpartum group of people. Mm. Um, but it still falls under that umbrella of sort of, you know, perinatal mood disorders um, that's kind of been expanded out from postpartum depression as a category. But what's interesting is that most people who are experiencing postpartum depression actually have a lot of symptoms that look like anxiety to um, maybe like hypomania or, you know, people feeling slightly manic. And I know from my experience in practice that even asking for help um, is, is very difficult for people who might think they're depressed. I can just imagine that there's a whole other layer to this, that admitting that you're not feeling well in this capacity is very difficult for mothers. And also I want you to allude, you you talked up the air about how this affects fathers. So just before we jump into that, but can, can you mention what it's like for people to reach out for help um, if they're dealing, dealing with perinatal symptoms like this? You know, I mean, it's incredibly hard um, for so many reasons. And I think this is true for both parents, you know, or all parents, you know, because not everyone is parenting um, with somebody else and not the the female parent isn't always the person who's the primary parent. So I just, you know, I want to say that this is true, honestly, for all the parents that I work with, regardless Mm of um, who they are, but they're to my eye and also in discussion with, you know, at this point, like thousands of families one of the things that seems to stand in people's way is that they shouldn't be ungrateful about this time period. So after a baby's born, it's this great celebration. Um, You're supposed to be happy, right? I mean, you have a live human, healthy baby. What are you sad about? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, And, and that's kind of what fuels some of my thinking about, you know, what would it look like if we thought about postpartum as a grief process versus sort of a celebratory process and how would that Mm. flip people's thinking about postpartum depression. But one of the barriers is that, you know, culturally, and this is, you know, the world around, it's not just the United States, that after we have a baby, we're supposed to be happy. Um, Mm -hmm. And there are, um, as it turns out, very few health services in place to support new parents. And that also makes it really difficult to reach out. So, you know, for a little context with that, in the way that most people birth in the United States, they tend to birth in hospitals. So like 98 to 99% of people birth in hospitals. And what happens is that after the birth, you know, people stay maybe for a day or two, there's OBs, there's nurses, everybody's caring for them. And then they get discharged and they go home. Baby is seen by a pediatric provider but no one actually sees the birthing parent six weeks postpartum for essentially a postpartum well check. You know, did the incision heal? Did the tear heal? Is your bleeding okay? You know, right. are your nipples busted open? You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's much more about the physicality. There is mm-hmm. definitely a, a mental emotional assessment, but it's a, a survey that people fill out. 
um, which yeah. requires self-reporting, you know, being able to be self-aware and then report that on a piece of paper that you know is then going to go into your chart. Um, no one mm -hmm. is checking in on the other parents, stereotypically the male parent. Um, and the baby is getting a lot of care, but the care that the parents are interacting with in the healthcare system is solely around the baby's well-being, which is interesting because, yeah. I mean, the baby can only be as well as the caregivers, but there's very mm -hmm. little of that in, PD in conventional pediatric care. Mm -hmm. And that makes yeah, it hard, too, you know, for people to say what they need when there doesn't feel like there's space for that. Yeah. And those first six weeks, I mean, that talk about a major adjustment period as far as sleep disruption and mm -hmm. changes in dietary patterns. And it seems like that some of the things you're thinking about is more support early on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if there was one thing that I uh, would want anyone to take away either from this talk or just from thinking about postpartum in general, um, it would be the preparation of the support system. Um, you know, in many cultures, including ours, we focus on the, um, you know, the baby showers and things like that as a way to accumulate stuff that we might need for after the baby arrives. And having attended many myself, um, there is little to no discussion at that time, you know, maybe because it seems a little dark and morbid or, you know, not super positive, say, hey, um, this is going to get hard. Um, who's your, who's your team? You know, what's your safety net? Um, you know, swaddle blankets are cool. Um, but really, like, who are you going to call at three in the morning when you're not sure you can do this anymore? Um, mm -hmm. That's the stuff that's going to get you through. Um, yeah. and, and having been through it myself, and knowing um, how have, being insanely well supported was the thing that got me through, um, especially given that I had very little time after my son was born before I went mm -hmm. back to work. Um, I can say that it personally, it was everything. Um, and in working with families all the time, um, that seems to be the thing that makes a difference. You know, who do they have those people that they can lean on? Um, locally and then, you know, by phone, because sometimes you also don't need to sit face to face to talk about mm -hmm. how much you hate this, you know, um, sometimes mm -hmm. it actually feels really good to have the anonymity to some extent of a phone call. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really interesting as I'm hearing you say this and I, I was picturing myself hearing, hearing the message that you're delivering, um, as a parent mm -hmm. and how great that would be to hear this because I think the dialogue that goes along goes in most parents' mind is I can do this. I can do anything. I, I need to be stronger. I need to be tougher. Some people have a much worse and you know, the, you just yeah. kind of feed yourself this mentality. And when someone acknowledges and says, look, this is a major deal and there needs to be there it would be better for us to have i think it, it just relaxes you to say yes you know this is something that um is a major challenge and i think that alone would uh be such a monumental conversation so that that's it's outstanding um and with the work you're doing 
right now, um, if people are interested in um, looking at getting support from you or some of your colleagues, where would you direct them? Um, I mean, I see people at my clinic. Um, it's in Kenmore, Washington. Um, it's called Eastside Natural Medicine. Um, and actually, I, you know, I was doing a lot of primary care, women's health, pediatrics, and I have actually paired back my own personal practice, really specifically mm -hmm. to address um, perinatal mood changes for all people, you know, not just um, women, but men and women alike. Um, and I work with a lot of couples too. So mm -hmm. ranging from, you know, infertility, PTSD, kind of all the way through um, postpartum depression. And the vast majority of what I do is postpartum depression. Um, and I also mm -hmm. have a fantastic group of colleagues who I work with in my clinic who all support that work and are also equally committed to it. So it's really great. Great. Okay. And um, I'll make sure I mention the, the website address for the listeners as well. Um, just before we conclude, can you talk about why maybe from a pathophysiology mm -hmm. standpoint, why this is happening yeah. um, more likely in this perinatal period for both um, women and possibly men? Yeah. You know, there are so many theories and most of them that have been well-researched have come down to hormones, which I think is why people look at this mostly as something that affects the person who gave birth, you know, and not necessarily the other people. Um, but there's a lot of other stuff going on there too. I mean, when we are sleep deprived, I mean, I think for those of us who endured sleep deprivation and certainly as a midwife, I absolutely have. Um, it really, it, um, the stress chemicals mess with our, what we call our executive functioning or kind of the front end of our brain. And um, it really interferes with our ability to make great choices um, with memory. Um, I mean, really with sort of like the executive tasks of our day, really navigating that. Um, and that makes everything more challenging. You know, it makes reaching out more challenging. Um, it makes getting up in the morning more challenging. And so over time, you know, a lot of that behavior that kind of stems from the front of, end of our brain being affected um, looks mm -hmm. and feels a lot like depression, even though it might not necessarily be um, the same kind of chemical depression we experience in other parts of our lives. Mm -hmm. um, that makes sense. And then, yeah. And I imagine the same thing goes for men with exactly. sleep disruption and, yep. you know, the, the androgens, the male hormones, and um, just, you know, the sleep quality and, and absolutely also ch change in role, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, then there's the other pieces of like the less chemical pathophys physiology and more like what are the other aspects? I mean, support is a huge piece of that. I mean, we know that like when we are well supported anytime in life, um, you know, all of our stress chemicals are lower, all of our feel good hormones are higher, you know, and that's true for men and women alike. Um, mm -hmm. but what you're saying also too, the change in roles, you know, um, where people are doing different things related to parenting and household tasks and out of the house work and very often people haven't talked about the change in those roles. They just sort of change and you find out sometimes weeks or months into the process, like, Oh, I didn't think it was going to be like this you know, <laughs> on both sides, yeah. you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. This is fascinating. Um, great topic. Uh, I really learned a lot. 
and uh, your compassion and your knowledge really comes through. Um, so thank you for being here today. Oh, my pleasure. Um, yeah, we'll make sure we um, give the listeners some more information about this topic and some more background information. And uh, yeah, I look forward to catching up with you down the road. What's up, everybody? Dr. Rindy speaking with you some concluding thoughts on today's episode with Dr. Iyer on postpartum depression. I see this condition in my practice, and certainly my awareness of it has gone up since speaking with Dr. Iyer. Um, I'm always interested in understanding what the inner workings of the pathophysiology is, meaning what is the root cause of postpartum depression? And I think it's multidimensional. Um, of course, there's a lot of sociocultural causes um, that influence the expression of postpartum depression. But if we're looking at some of the science that has been looked into for this condition, one of the most interesting findings that I've come across is that people who are susceptible to postpartum depression seem to have a bit of an issue with the processing of estrogen. So after giving birth, there's a period of time where estrogen goes very low in the bodies of the the new mothers. And so the little estrogen that's around needs to help with some aspects of mental health. Now, when estrogen is low in the central nervous system, we do see increased anxiety, increased depression, and actually increased um, deficiencies in something called brain-derived neurotropic factors. Um, So this is BDNF, which helps with processing, learning, memory recall, brain function. And what we see in certain susceptible people is that the estrogen that's left Um, after childbirth um, has more of difficulty at the receptor level. So even though the, if we were to measure estrogen levels in a person with postpartum depression versus a person without postpartum depression, the estrogen levels may be similar in people who are susceptible. They seem to have a genetic predisposition to having poor receptor function or lower receptor function. So what we see is the expression of these symptoms. This was fascinating to me because it clearly explains why this this period of time is particularly vulnerable. Now there's other issues to think about as well, such as nutrient status, omega-3 status, vitamin B level status, trace mineral status, such as zinc and selenium, iron status, We also have to think about thyroid function because this is something that's very common to be disrupted in the pregnancy process. And of course, there are so many elements such as what's happening with sleep, how much support, such as what Dr. Iyer alluded to. But it's it's clear that there is a hormonal component with Men, um, some of the research I came across with is one of the reasons why men often experience postpartum depression is that there's sort of a um, 
link between men feeling incapable um, or not at a socioeconomic status that they thought they would be at to uh, provide for their family. So there seems to be an aspect of, you know, where the the father felt that they would be at from a standpoint of career or economic abilities and depression. So I came across that in research. You know, a specific example was that um, a new father without housing that they felt was adequate for the family may be more at risk for depression. Sleep disruption in men um, because of the, the new new child in the home and the waking throughout the night and assisting with childcare could also lead to hormonal changes such as lower testosterone and uh, obviously lower neurotransmitter function. So these are some things to think about. I, I do think there's a lot of nutrition support um, and potentially hormonal support to consider when during this transition period. Now, Obviously, after a period of time, the hormones do start to level off, and we would see that with good support and counseling and nutrition support that um, someone could do better if they are facing postpartum depression. So I think uh, one of the, the key takeaways from the episode, however, is that both providers and patients and new mothers and new fathers should be on the lookout for symptoms and the need for support and actually should maybe consider having a plan. People who have already had depression before having uh, a child or um, have had a history of mental health issues should definitely have a plan going into um, the childbearing process um, with their provider or their midwife to to have some early interventions. There are both conventional and natural treatments available, and of course, counseling and different support um, resources to, to help with this process. Uh, we do know that the child is affected by a parent who is dealing with postpartum depression, and um, so outcomes for child health and parent health are better when there's providers on board. Um, please subscribe to these episodes. We're now in most podcast players like iTunes and Stitcher and um, Spotify. So um, I really am enjoying doing these episodes. We have many more recorded. Um, please continue to tune in. And uh, if you have any comments, please send them to info at soundintegrative.com. And uh, I look forward to catching up with you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in.